welcome back to another episode of the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. Thank you for continuing to tune in to this weird, silly, and sometimes angry show. There's not going to be a whole lot angry today, so it will be an educational episode, I hope. We shall see. I do hope everyone enjoyed last week's episode, Meet Whitney Nicole. I want to let you know that I had a lot of fun having Whitney on the show, and during the editing process, I was laughing pretty hard, I think probably because Whitney laughs a lot, and laughter is contagious, so I have spoken to Whitney, and she is going to start returning as a guest on the show, or rather a contributor, co-host, however you want to call it, ideally, you know, maybe once a month, I don't want to pin her down to any specific schedule. I know life happens, and I am capable of running the show independently if need be, but I do think it will make for better, more entertaining, and hopefully funnier episodes for y'all. But you don't have to wait quite a month because, as you may have heard on the last episode, she seemed a little disappointed that she was on the 67th episode of the podcast and was like, oh, I should have waited for the 69th episode because I plan to do something special. And she's silly like that. So just know that Whitney will be coming back into the studio next week to record that special 69th episode with me. And I plan to do another episode of Jeff's Asshole Trivia with her since she won with flying colors in the last episode. Normally, I wouldn't repeat Jeff's Asshole Trivia with a guest two episodes in a row that they're on. But I need to redeem myself, and I'm pretty confident that she's going to lose this one. We'll see. Just a reminder, if you want to check out any of Whitney Nicole's music or anything like that, you can find it Whitney Nicole. That's Nicole, just N-I-C-O-L-E, Whitney, like Whitney. Houston. You can find all of that on YouTube, on iTunes, Google Play, etc. Or you can go follow her on Instagram at Whitney Nicole Official. So I'm looking forward to having her back on the next 69th special episode as well as somewhat routinely in the future. All right, so another update. I'm not going to get too deep into this. I just want to bring it up quickly is regarding the whole Will Smith Oscars debacle. I have said in previous episodes that I did not believe that the Academy would take any action and that they would just kind of hope that this blows over and people forget about it so they don't have to take any action. I will say I stand corrected. To an extent, the Academy took Action, some action. Will Smith had already preemptively kind of said, okay, I'm going to resign from the Academy, which means he's not allowed to vote on who wins any of the awards. The Academy has now since banned Will Smith for the next 10 years from Academy-related events, which basically means he can't go to the Oscars or any events or shows related to the Oscars. They did not take away his Oscar that he won, but this is pretty standard for them. They don't take stuff away from people, even ones who have proven to be larger pieces of filth than Will Smith. And again, I don't think Will Smith is a piece of filth. He just made a really stupid mistake, but he did it at their ceremony. But let me point this out. While he's not allowed to go to the Oscars for the next 10 years, he can still be nominated and still win an Oscar in that 10-year period. So this isn't even like telling your child to go to bed without dinner. You're actually giving the child dinner and then saying, okay, now go to bed. You get to miss out on everything that happens for the rest of the night, but at least you're not going to bed hungry. Thanks, Mom. So while I was wrong in the fact that the Academy did do something, I mean, really, is that that big of a deal that he can't go to that party for the next 10 years? Not really. 
Before getting to today's topic, the last thing I will discuss is that I now have a newfound respect for drummers. Not that I disrespected drummers in the past, but drumming has always been like the one instrument that has always been kind of my weakest instrument to play from as far as like a rock band perspective. In my last band, I was the bass player, piano player, lead singer. I've been a guitarist for over 30 years. I've always been able to play drums, but I never really considered myself a drummer. Kind of like the old joke, what do you call a person that hangs out with musicians? A drummer. All right, sorry drummers. But with the school that I'm teaching music to kids at, I am actually doing a lot of drum lessons, and I'm starting to realize that some of these older kids are kind of outplaying me a little bit. Now, from a teaching perspective, that's fine. I need them to be able to do it. I don't necessarily need to be able to do it myself. I just need to be able to know if they're doing something wrong and coach them and motivate them to practice and get it right over time. However, that's just not how I roll, so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to start learning drums like a drummer. And boy, is it harder than I thought. I mean, like I said, yes, I have been able to play drums and even some pretty technical, difficult beats over the years on kits of drummers in bands I've been in during breaks or whatnot. But I started to work on some songs that I thought, yeah, that won't be too difficult. That'll be fun. And I made it through about five minutes of even trying and said, yeah, I'm going to have to dial this back a little bit and try something easier. And even these songs that I think are the easy ones, it's just all the transitions and stuff. Boy, it's more difficult than I thought. So hats off to drummers out there, or at least drummers that are good drummers. I do have a new respect for you. All right. So that was a very short set of updates for you this week. But I feel like this episode, I'm going to be taking a deep dive into a topic here, and this could be a longer episode. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it will fly by and I'll get it all out quickly, like a satisfying shit. But we will see. So this was kind of inspired, this topic, by a movie I recently watched, I want to say on Netflix, called Apollo Ten and a Half. A Space Age Adventure. I believe that is the official title. Apollo 10 and a half is definitely right, so you can just search that. It is an animated movie about the first mission to the moon where man set foot on the moon. Kind of centered around a child whose father works for NASA. They all live in Texas. The stars at night are big and bright. It was a really cool movie, but then at the very end of the movie, you know, they put up little lines of text to give you updates, and it just never really occurred to me that I did not realize that we have not, nor has anyone on the planet, any country, any space organization, attempted a manned mission to the moon in almost 50 years. That's a long time. Kind of seems like once you get people on the moon, you keep going to the moon, and then you keep trying to do other things beyond that. Instead, we kind of went backwards or just said, you know what, that was enough. So, like I said, this is going to be educational. I've got a lot of facts and details. I will do my best to make it entertaining for you. However, before we get into space launches and all that crap, I want to point out something. Our moon... It is a really stupid fucking name. Our moon is called the moon. We didn't even name our own moon. In our solar system that we know of, there are 219 moons. Many planets have many moons. We have one. Scientists have named all 218 moons except for our moon. And instead, we just call our moon the moon. 
that would be kind of like having a baby and calling it human Smith or person McGillicuddy. Now, I don't know that I have any suggestions or ideas for what our moon should be called, but the fact that it's just called the moon sucks. Kind of the fact that our planet is called Earth. I mean, that's what we call dirt. It's what we call the substance on the surface of our planet is Earth. And that's just what we also call the giant ball. That is our planet is Earth. For some reason, we like naming every other fucking thing out there. Stars, asteroids, meteors, moons, solar systems, galaxies, coronavirus variants. (coughs) But our actual planet and the moon that orbits it. Yeah, we're not going to bother with the name. Just call it the moon. So back to some historical aspects of the moon missions. So I will say that the United States and NASA is the only successful country or space organization to ever land crew on the moon. Now, other countries have attempted to land crews on the moon, but none of them were ever successful and then just kind of gave up like we gave up after our sixth and final successful mission in 1972. Of those six missions, there were two crew members in each mission that walked on the moon. So a total of 12 men have walked on the moon ever in our history. And yes, I say men because, of course, all of them were men. No women have ever walked on the moon. And, of course, because it was America in the late 60s and early 70s, you can pretty much guess that all of those men were white. Yes, so basically no one has ever walked on the moon other than a white man. Where are the cries for diversity in moonwalking? Now, Michael Jackson was a moonwalker, but that was a totally different type of moonwalk. Additionally, by the time he died, he was pretty much a white man. All right, so of those 12 white men, white American men who have walked on the moon, only two of those astronauts actually set foot on the moon more than once. Those two astronauts were John Young and Eugene Cernan. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. There is one other astronaut who flew to the moon twice, Jim Lovell, but never set foot on the moon. Oh, that sucks. I flew to the moon twice, and I never even got to get out of the car. One final fact and similarity I will discuss about all of these astronauts who walked on the moon is that at the time of walking on the moon, they were all aged between 36 and 41, with one exception, Mr. Alan Shepard, who was 47 at the time that he walked on the moon. So clearly there was a pretty specific age range they were looking for in the astronauts they were sending to the moon. Now, all of these missions took place between, well, all of the missions that involved an actual getting out of the vehicle, the lunar landing module, and getting onto the surface, setting foot on the surface of the moon, all took place between July of 1969 and December of 1972. I was born in 1975, so without historical records, I would have no idea that man had ever walked on the moon. And come December of this year, 2022, that will mark the 50-year anniversary since the last time man set foot on the moon. I don't know. This just seems weird to me. 
I don't understand why we just haven't even attempted since then. Not like we tried to go to the moon and something blew up. Just, you know what said? Six missions was pretty good. Let's not push our luck. So let's just talk about moon missions in general. Not even necessarily the ones where someone got out of the vehicle and set foot on the moon. So there have been many missions attempting to either orbit or impact the moon when an impactor mission means land on the moon. Doesn't mean someone got out. Could have been an unmanned craft. It just means contact was made with the surface of the moon. And honestly, most of the early attempts were absolutely unmanned. They didn't want to risk having people in there because it was unknown what was going to happen. So the first attempt to fly to the moon, whether to orbit or to impact, was by NASA, the United States, on August 17th of 1958. This would have been four days after my mom's seventh birthday. I'm just using that as a measuring point so you guys can understand this was a long time ago. My mom is old and dusty. Sorry, Mom. However, this attempt resulted in a launch failure. Now, launch failures would become pretty commonplace with a lot of the attempts to follow. Out of the next 16 attempts, and Russia and the U.S. were the only two countries that were even attempting this at the time or had the technology, but of the next 16 attempts, only two of them were successful, with the rest of them suffering a launch failure. Not something happened when we got to the moon or when the spacecraft got to the moon, just launch failure in general. So this was probably why they weren't really putting people in the craft, because, well, they weren't having a whole lot of luck getting these things up into the atmosphere. Kind of like a commercial for ED. Men, are you tired of launch failure? Ready to send your lady into orbit next time? Try the new pill by Elon Musk. Don't worry, we're going to talk about Elon a little later. So of those 16 attempts, like I said, 14 of them failed. The two successful attempts were actually both Russian spacecrafts, again, unmanned, with the first of those two being an impactor flight on September 14th of 1959 which means that the Russians were the first to put a spacecraft on the surface of the moon. It would not be until almost five years later, on July 28th of 1964, that the United States and NASA had their first successful impactor flight, the Ranger 7. So we were way behind Russia as far as getting our shit onto the moon. So, let's fast forward to July 16th, 1969. This is what everybody knows, Apollo 11, the first manned mission to land on the moon with astronauts getting out of the car and setting foot on the moon. Neil Armstrong, we know, was the first to do it. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And this mission, Apollo 11, followed 72 previous missions between the United States and Russia. Again, not all of those missions were attempting to even land on the moon. Most of those missions were not manned. Some of them were and just were orbiting the moon. But of those 72 previous missions, with one intent or another, only 33% of them had a success rate. So that had to be kind of scary being on Apollo 11, knowing that you had a 66% chance of possibly not even making it off the launch pad in one piece. So again, that was July 16th, 1969. So let's rewind just a little bit. Just a few months. 
So now May 18th, 1969, there was a finger quotes dress rehearsal for Apollo 11. This was Apollo 10. And this took two astronauts to the moon. They descended the lunar lander to eight miles above the surface of the moon and then came back to Earth. They were just kind of testing and getting things ready. That had to suck to be one of those two astronauts. It's like, I can see it, it's right there. We're eight miles away. We're an Eminem movie title away from reaching the surface of the moon, but I guess we'll go back home because it's just a dress rehearsal. Oh man. So yeah, that had to suck. Look, if you had one shot, one opportunity, Seize everything you ever wanted in one moment that you captured. Just let it slip. Yo. Just four months after the Apollo 11 successful landing, Apollo 12 landed another crew on the moon with two more astronauts getting out of the car and getting on the moon. So they were moving pretty quickly. I point this out because. Kind of seems silly that in 50 years, we've never even attempted it again. Dumb. And I mentioned Russia doing a lot of space exploration or missions to the moon to orbit or to impact slash land. China also had a handful of missions, um, but that would mean that Russia, China, and the United States are the only three countries in the entire world that have ever even attempted anything related to the moon in regards to a space mission. And I find it surprising as much as Russia and China kind of don't like America that they would just have given up as well and said, you know what? Yeah, we're not going to bother anymore. I would think they would be so jealous that they would want to one-up us in some way or another, go up there and plant their flag on the moon. I mean, the NASA astronauts were up there driving around in dune buggies on the moon, for Christ's sake. I think that might have rubbed it in a little bit to kind of light a fire under Russia and China's ass like, well, maybe we should at least get out there and set foot on the moon. We don't have to drive a dune buggy, but nope. They just gave up. So, all of this begs the question, as I've brought up, why have we not attempted to go back to the moon in 50 years? Well, almost 50 years. Let's just call it 50. I will tell you that, based on the research that I did, the main thing I could find? Political and budgetary reasons. That's it. Welcome to the joy of our space program, NASA, being a part of our federal governmental system. Now, when Trump was in office, he promised that we would be putting someone, a man, or rather a woman more specifically, on the moon by 2024. Additionally, he created a new branch of the military, the Space Force, which, of course, everyone laughed at him, and that's stupid, what is up with the Space Force, to the point where Netflix made a show called Space Force with Steve Carell, which, it's a funny show, I haven't seen the second season that recently came out, but I will tell you, if you're someone who thinks that it's dumb to put money and research into space technology, then you've clearly never seen the movie Armageddon. I think it is hugely important to continue space research, space technology. And from what I can tell, the Artemis 
program or the plan to put people back on the moon in 2024 is still happening, even though Trump is not in office. So while everyone made fun of him and thought that was stupid, didn't really stop the current administration from continuing those plans. Now, I believe they're thinking it's going to be 2025. It's They've pushed it back a year, but still they are moving forward with the Artemis project or whatever. I don't know if project is the right term and they plan to actually start kind of, I don't know if they want to colonize the moon, but they're going to do more than just put man on the moon, get out, drive a buggy around and go home. They're going to start setting up shop there. So if budgetary restrictions are the main reason why we haven't gone back to the moon, let's talk about it. So from what I could find, the cost to send man, woman, whatever, back to the moon is estimated to be around $35 billion, billion with a B. Granted, these are governmental estimates, and we all know government kind of tends to inflate things so they can roll other shit into their spending that doesn't actually have to do with what they're actually trying to do. Let me point out that since 2001, the United States has spent $2.3 trillion occupying and fighting in Afghanistan and Pakistan alone. That would be the equivalent of 66 manned missions to the moon, given their $35 billion estimate. 66 manned missions would be 11 times more than the total missions that we have sent to the moon with a manned craft. Also, I will point out that in 2021, our government spent $53 billion on COVID vaccine spending. And they are projecting another $51 billion to be spent in 2022. That is basically the equivalent of two manned moon missions. So don't tell me we don't have the money. It's rather just a fact that our politicians and our finger quotes experts are misallocating our spending and our funding. Now, luckily, we don't need to rely on the assholes in the government that much anymore because we have privately funded space programs that now exist by both Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, the super billionaire that owns Amazon. So Elon Musk created SpaceX in 2002 when he would have been around 30 years old. He's actually only four years older than me today. And his long-term intent has not really been space exploration or going to the moon, but rather getting to Mars and colonizing Mars in the event that there is some global event that fucks up the Earth that humanity is not just completely gone forever. Here are some fun facts about SpaceX. They are the first privately funded company to do the following. One, launch a liquid propellant rocket to reach orbit. Two, launch, orbit, and recover a spacecraft. Three, send astronauts into orbit and to the International Space Station. All of this shit has happened in just 20 years since the inception of the company. Meanwhile, 50 years have gone by and the government and NASA weren't able to do dick. Additionally, SpaceX was the first ever, not first privately funded company, I mean NASA, no other governmental agency around the world has ever done the following things. One, a vertical takeoff and vertical propulsion landing for an orbital rocket. What this means is that they are able to reuse the rocket. So the rocket that sends the craft up into orbit falls back into the atmosphere. And in the past, NASA has just planned it. That's why they always launch 
launch off of the coast so that the rocket, when it separates, can just fall into the ocean. And I don't know if they retrieve it, if they just let it sink, and the fishies can all get some kind of you know rocket fuel poisoning. But if you've ever seen the videos, SpaceX rockets, when they fall, they come back into the atmosphere, and then they use a propulsion to kind of reverse against gravity and then guide themselves to a landing pad to land that rocket back on Earth safely so they can reuse it. That's pretty cool. NASA never did that. Russia never did that. Elon Musk did it in 20 years, less than 20 years. Additionally, Elon Musk and SpaceX have created a satellite internet constellation called Starlink. And what this does is it provides commercial internet service without any wires being needed. So they're actually being able to provide internet service to people on the ground based on this constellation of satellites. And actually, by January of 2020, they became the largest satellite constellation ever launched, more so than any other country has ever done. And as of right now, April 2022, there are over 2,000 Starlink satellites in orbit. A matter of fact, uh, in the recent invasion on the Ukraine by Russia... Russia was trying to fuck with the Ukraine by taking away any internet access so they couldn't really communicate with each other, thinking this would give Russia a leg up against the Ukrainians. However, Elon Musk stepped in, rerouted a lot of his satellites over to the Ukraine and said, here you go. Now you have internet capability. You don't need to rely on the shit that's going under the ground, all of the fiber optics. And there was nothing Russia could do about it. Additionally, this actually allowed Ukraine to intercept a lot of Russia's communications because Russia is being very sloppy in how they're doing that. And they're not really using secure channels all the time, which is probably why the invasion is like six weeks or seven weeks old at this point and still has zero outcome. So let's talk about Mr. Jeff Bezos or as I refer to him, the astronaut cuckold. So he founded his company, his privately funded space exploration company, Blue Origin, in 2000, two years before SpaceX. But he is still not outdoing Elon Musk. In fact, he was upset that NASA had paid SpaceX a $2.9 billion contract to build a lunar lander for them. And Jeff Bezos lost that lawsuit. All this ended up doing was just delaying. That's why now 2025 is the date for Artemis instead of 2024, because they lost time in litigation because Jeff Bezos is an astronaut cuck-cuck. By the way, let me point out that the $2.9 billion contract is only 8% of what the government is saying that it would cost for them to send someone to the moon, $35 billion. So you still think our politicians aren't scamming us with bullshit figures? Because Elon Musk can do it for $2.9 billion. The whole reason we haven't sent someone to the moon in 50 years is because it's just so expensive. And Jeff Bezos, he's not really trying to do anything remotely close to what Elon Musk is doing. Right now, his main thing is just shooting celebrities up into space at a cost. So he's, you know, making some money. And they basically go up. They float around just, you know, outside the atmosphere for a few minutes and then fall back to the Earth. That's it. Recently, SpaceX sent up four civilians into orbit. There is a documentary also, I believe, on Netflix that covered this. 
But this just shows that, you know what? Now, I will say the main captain, he was like an Air Force pilot. But everybody else, there was like a nurse at St. Jude Children's Hospital. I don't remember what everyone else did. Like, But they were just basically normal people. And they went and did some training for a while. And they went up and they spent days in orbit around the Earth. So, Jeff Bezos? Eh, not that impressive. So, what is the future of space exploration after 50 years of pretty much not doing dick? So, as I mentioned, Artemis with NASA, they're planning on putting people back on the moon by 2025 and setting up some kind of a, again, I don't know if it's a colony, I don't know if they want people actually living there, but setting up stations and actual places where it's just not walking around on the moon aimlessly. And I believe they plan to even use the moon as a way to launch other things from the moon so that we're already, you know, kind of closer to further points in the solar system so that we can now go further than we've been able to go in the past because we're starting from a further point. But that's kind of small beans. You know, we've been to the moon 50 years ago. That's why I'm shocked that it's been that long and we haven't really accomplished a whole lot else since then. Elon Musk and SpaceX, on the other hand, they have some bigger intentions. So Elon Musk is planning in the next decade, if not the next five years, to actually land people on Mars. And there's this whole plan to start. So it has to happen like every two years and two months because Mars and Earth orbit the sun at a different rate of speed. So every two years and two months is when Mars and Earth are closest. So that's when we would need to launch to keep the trip and the amount of fuel necessary at a minimum. Even then, it's still going to be a seven-month trip from the Earth to Mars. Actually, I want to say the first mission that they're going to do is not going to take people. It's going to take like four ships that are going to take a bunch of just resources, supplies and shit like that. So when people do show up two years later, all of that stuff is already there. Additionally to the supplies, they're going to be dropping off a bunch of robots and rovers that are going to go around and start preparing the surfaces and doing things so that when humans arrive, they are more prepared. And then in the next 30 to 35 years, I want to say, if Elon Musk's timeline goes according to plan, he plans to have 1 million people living on Mars, on a colony on Mars. It's a lot of people. There will be people getting married on Mars. There will be babies born on Mars. And when those babies come back to visit the Earth, they're actually going to have to wear a special exoskeleton because the gravity on Mars is different than Earth. It's lower. So the gravity of Earth is going to be difficult for that baby who's only lived on Mars to manage so they will need something to help support their body. That's weird. You know, right now we always think about, you know, with the moon or with Mars or places with a lower gravity that it's easier. Easier. Like, for example, when astronauts or settlers or scientists arrive on Mars, it's going to be a lot easier for them to carry the equipment around that they need to carry because there's less gravity. So shit will be lighter. But imagine going somewhere where that gravity is way stronger. It's kind of like the reverse Superman effect. You know, that was the whole reason why Superman is able to fly is because the gravity on Krypton was so strong that when he got to Earth, like he could just boing, bounce up into the air. He doesn't technically fly. I know he does in the movies and the TV shows, but the science behind Superman in the comics, he wasn't really flying. He was jumping. He could just jump. 
really high, really far. That's why there was the phrase in the, look, it's a bird. No, a plane. No, it's Superman. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. He didn't fly to the top of the building. He leapt to the top of the building with a big old jump. He would totally wreck the Olympics if he were to get into like a long jump competition or something like that. It would almost be as unfair as, you know, like, let's say a man swimming and competing in a female swim race. All right, I'm not going to go down that route. But yeah, Elon Musk definitely plans to not only start sending people to Mars, but colonizing Mars, having people live there again, making sure humanity survives in the event that there is some global event with Earth. And that could happen, whether we cause it ourselves or whether there's some meteor that comes in and crashes again. Please see the movie Armageddon if you haven't already. So what is Jeff Bezos trying to do? What's his long-term plans? He plans to basically create Amazon for space. What a douchebag. I want to say he already owns the domain name like AmazonMars.com or something like that. So he plans to send shipments of shit on a Blue Origin shuttle or spacecraft to the people that are living on Mars. So essentially the shit that they need, they're going to order from Amazon Mars. It's just going to take a little longer than, you know, one to two days to arrive on their doorstep. And long term, there's going to be an Amazon space station that orbits outside of Mars that can actually manufacture things on that space station and then drop shipments down to Mars. So basically, Jeff Bezos, he's just a big old capitalist cuckold. If you are at all interested in some of the stuff I have been discussing, I would first encourage you to watch that movie, Apollo 10 and a Half. It was a really good movie, really well done. It is about, you know, a historical event, the first moon landing with a manned craft on the moon. But additionally, if you go to YouTube and you search SpaceX, you will find like a timeline. It's like a 15 minute video and it's all done graphically and visually like you're almost watching like a short film that takes you through the whole process of how they're going to slowly start growing crops and greenhouses so that by the time the third or fourth or fifth group of people start coming in bigger waves, that now they don't really need to send as much food on the ships anymore because when they land, they're already going to be able to cultivate their own food. They will actually be able to use bioprinters. So this is like a 3D printer, but to print out biological material. That could be for an artificial heart. It could also be a bioprinter to make a hamburger patty. That's right. They're going to print meat. That sounds delicious, but I'm on a diet. Can you print me a turkey burger? Also, speaking of 3D printers, they're going to actually build all of the habitats down there using the soil or the earth, I guess you would call it, on the surface of Mars. They're going to mix that with other biological components and be able to print, 3D print, the actual domes and enclosures that will house people. That's pretty cool. And keep in mind that all of this timeline is currently based on the current science that we have. The current science related to jet propulsion. The estimation that it's going to take seven months to get people to Mars. What if the science changes and now we're able to get them there in two months? Also, I will say that in like the next 10 years, it is estimated that the ships that they're going to start sending up routinely every two years and two months to Mars are going to cost approximately, are you ready? Drum roll, please. 
$5 million. Yeah, that's it. NASA said $35 billion. $5 million per spacecraft. The government is fucking you. But yeah, go check out that video. It's really cool. And right now, yeah, it's all pretty much just sci-fi. It hasn't happened yet. A lot could go wrong. But there is a chance by the time I'm 80 years old, if I make it that far, that I will be alive when we have 1 million people living on Mars. That is pretty cool. All right. Thank you, everyone, for continuing to tune in to the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. I hope you have found this episode somewhat enlightening, educational, and hopefully at least a little bit entertaining. I want to make sure that you get ready for the next episode, the 69th episode. It will be a special, a fun-filled episode. I am going to warn my mom, who listens to all of my podcast episodes, maybe don't tune into that one. I mean, if you do, that's on you. It's not my fault if you hear things you don't want to hear. Not going to say that it's going to be, like, horribly graphic. There will be some educational components to it, but... It will definitely be graphic at times, and because I have Whitney that's going to join me for that episode, and she is a silly goose, and certainly not a prude, I cannot guarantee any path that any discussion might take or tangent off into. So, Mom, fair warning. Might want to skip episode 69. As always, if you would like to go follow me on social media, my worthless social media presence, you can do so on Twitter or Facebook at Jeff Becomes Jeff. Until next time, I'm Jeff. The stars at night are big and bright. Big in the heart of Texas. <laughs>
don't really wanna be your friend I've been tried and I've cried and I'm done crying And then I laughed in his face And then I saw the guy on fire He said you don't need to keep me alive Cause I've been burned so many times I'm like lava I covered him with water From the land